Today on Talking Sports with Tony V, we interview famed Husky softball player and a legend in the broadcast studio with the Mariners, Angie Mentink. That's coming up on Talking Sports with Tony V. Welcome back to Talking Sports with Tony V. A special welcome to my uncle Nino in uh, in South in the South Bronx. He hangs out where the old Yankee Stadium used to be. Uh, hey, Angie Mentick is our guest today. Angie, there is no Uncle Nino. I just made it up. Hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. This is great. <laughs> I got a couple of Guidos and a, you know a Philip and some Peters, but no uh, no Ninos. But anyway, you know now that my last name is Mentink, like nobody knows about my Italian heritage. So it kind of you know it makes me it makes me sad that I can't even pretend to you know, have fake Italian relatives in random places. So I'm jealous of you. <laughs> well, I know. And actually, I have uh, fake Italian relatives, but I have about 150 real Italian relatives in, <laughs> in places like that as well. But uh, listen, I've, 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 I've watched you for years, but the first time I met you, I was talking about this before we uh, started the show tonight. The first time I met you, I was walking out on the field, Husky practice field, the first year that there was women's softball. I was so thrilled that women's softball had come here since I coached it in Connecticut and later in Indiana before I came out to Seattle. And you walked over and you apparently had seen me a couple times on TV. Apparently the channel was stuck on five and you had no choice. And you came over and hugged me and I'm going, well, this is cool. I think this first time a center fielder ever hugged me. I'm a, I'm, I am a hugger, so you you have to uh, you have to be careful uh, about that. You know what's kind of interesting is that you know then like you 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 go forward several years, Tony, and all the time people will walk up to me and they'll want to hug me because they'll be like, I, I feel like I know you, and see like. I'm like, go ahead, give me a hug. Um, you know, the pandemic's throwing a little wrench in it, um, but that's probably what it was. It was like, I know you. You're my buddy Tony. You've never met me, but like, I've seen you like a million times. So, like, I feel like we're close. We're tight. Well, right? that's you're a, my boy. You know what's funny too? You said to me even more important than the hug was what you said to me. And I'm sure you don't remember. I have a memory that's kind of a little bit crazy because it's so sharp. I can tell you, you know, what baseball cards I had in 1954, that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, you had said to me, I want, you either said I want your job or I want a job <laughs> like yours. And I thought, I, I, I thought, I thought. To, <laughs> this, like, this sounds like a little kind of weird thing. My, you know, I'm Marzetta, you're Ventrella. And it's like, I come and I give you a kiss and it's like, I'm coming after you. Like, That's right. Yeah. This feels a little dark, Tony. No, I know. Yeah. The only thing, the only thing missing was like a 58 Cadillac, you know, uh, black Cadillac with four Italian guys in it. But anyway, uh, and somebody in the trunk, but that's another story. Hey, <laughs> so give me a little, I want to talk Mariners, but let's go through your softball career. Start with your first year, you're with a new team. I can't remember the coach. Do that one for me and go all the way to Silver Bullets before I pick it up again. So, you're yeah. On. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I, um, you know, I was, I'm one of six kids. And um, so, so scholarship money was important. You know, like I, I remember wanting to like play an instrument and my parents were like, you're not going to get a scholarship for playing the drums. Like, go out there and play catch. Um, 
So I had uh, gotten a scholarship to a junior college down in Arizona. It was a really good softball program. And they had won um, three national championships before I got there. So I won a fourth and a fifth with them. Wow. And cool. so we we're really a watering hole for, you know, four-year programs. And especially something like the University of Washington, who's starting their first ever, uh, you know, softball team. So the pitcher, uh, who was my roommate, uh, Nancy Jackson, Nancy Jackson Wagner, she became, um, and myself, uh, the shortstop at the time, signed scholarships to play for the University of Washington. And that kind of was what Teresa Wilson, the coach at the time, sold me on. It's like, hey, listen, you guys get to come here and, and be the pioneers. Uh, you guys get to set the records. You guys get to set the culture. You guys, it, it's yours. You guys get to make it yours. And and uh, and that was pretty attractive. That was pretty sexy, you know, for nineteen year old me to to think about, you know, kind of um, you know doing doing things the way I wanted to do them. And so came up here, and University of Washington didn't have a softball program. We uh, we went from no program to top 20 in the first year, uh, top 10 the second year, top four the third year. I was coaching at that point with the program, and then we were ranked as high as number one in our fourth year of existence, also coaching that year. At the same time, I was playing for, uh, you mentioned it, the uh, the Colorado Silver Bullets, the, the first uh, women's professional baseball team in uh, in over 50 years, and, and, that, was, uh, and that was fun. And Phil Necro, the Hall of Fame uh, uh, pitching uh, or manager, or the pitcher was the pitcher, but he was our manager. Wow. And Joe Necro, his brother, was our pitching coach. Um, and Johnny Grubb from the Detroit Tigers was our outfield coach. That uh, cool. And it was just, yeah, I have bar tricks to last me the rest of my life from from all of the time that I spent with Nuxie uh, <laughs> and all of these, you know, bar promotions, barnstorming throughout the country, playing for the silver bullet. Oh, so, a lot of fun. And I remember that <laughs> if I recall, uh, you made uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 and all the Coors light you could drink. Is that correct? Or exactly. That That's right. That's right. And they didn't put it in my contract the second year. And I said, I'm not signing this. Until I am assured of all the uh, Coors Light I can drink, I was like, "Did I drink too much last year?" You know, so <laughs> I'm not putting it in. It's like, no, no, no. We just assumed, you know, it's the, we literally had like a Penske truck that was that was like full of you know Coors Light. So oh, they were just man. like, "It's there, and you're not you're you're gonna be all right." You were a shrewd negotiator way back then. I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> hey, let's jump forward. And obviously, Root Sports kicked off, and uh, you were—I uh, don't know if you were initially involved in that, but you certainly are. Uh, between you and Brad, uh, you know, you're the—you guys are the ones that everyone remembers from uh, Root Sports. No, no, no. I, I'm so old. I interned uh, in college at Prime. Uh, Prime Sports. All right. Um, yes, which became, uh, let's see, Prime Sports then became Fox Sports Net. And I was, th then I, I actually worked for that. And then Fox Sports Net became Fox Sports Northwest. And then became Fox Sports Net Northwest. And then became Root Sports. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So really, I've been with them since Prime Sports as an intern wow. and uh, continued to, uh, to work my way up. So I started working for them for free. The first year they were paying me, I think I made, I was at $4,000. And then the next year, big jump to like 17000 Oh, man. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And then cool. I was just off and running. So oh, that's, that is, no, that's for sure. And, you know, and, and every bit of it, the funny part of it is too, Angie, you, you were good when you started, which is very unusual. 
and you you were being too kind. No, no, I you was were terrible. You, you're just you're, but you're kind. You're no, so no, kind. no, no, no. You were good because you were genuine. I didn't. I didn't say that that everything was in place, but you were genuine, you, and you, and that's good enough for me. Because I was, I came out of a barber shop. I was cutting hair and became a broadcaster. <laughs> And by the way, I still do a really nice haircut, any style that the kids want. Uh, even if they don't want it, I can do it. Uh, so did you, you've done play by play, correct? Mariner play by play. So I have, not, I have done play by play, but I've done it for softball at university of Washington. But this year, uh, the, for the first time ever, I was, uh, given the opportunity from, uh, Mariners and Root Sports to be a color analyst for the uh, first time. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that was, you know, 20, 22 years after, you know, I stopped playing professional baseball. I, I feel like I paid my dues. Um, <laughs> I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally got into the broadcast booth. I mean, I think a lot of, of, uh, of the uh, male, my male counterparts usually, you know, probably step into the broadcast booth six months later or something like that. Um, but it was, it was a nerve wracking, uh, thing, but it was so exciting and so awesome. I think, I think, you know, the Mariners and Root Sports did it right. Just kind of walking up to it. We had a couple, uh, uh, players cast, which is kind of a different take where no one's doing play by play. Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed um, those. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, we're not calling home runs cause we figure the fan can see the home run, you know, mm. um, the, the fan can see, you know, it's a hit. So we're just talking more about the X's and O's and the Y's and, and the how's and just three dudes. But I think a lot of times when people tune into that, uh, they were like, Angie's doing the play-by-play -play and she sucks. And I'm like, I'm not doing the play-by-play. -play. I'm just a dude. Like these guys are dudes. Just like, I'm a, I'm just an ex-player talking oh, about man. the game. Like these guys, nobody's doing play-by-play. -play. Nobody's sucking at play-by-play -play because no one's doing play-by-play. -play. <laughs> now listen, well, you're, you're clearly a great analyst. You really are. And you're, you're shoot. I mean, I thought it was good that the time or two that I saw it, and watch the broadcast that you were on. I thought it was terrific. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not just saying that because I don't give a ton of compliments. Actually, honestly, I give all compliments to everybody, but that's beside the point. I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding, Angie. I really you are. You're so nice. But yeah, they kicked uh, Mike Blowers out after we did a couple of those players casts. And then it was just myself as the sole color analyst uh, with Aaron Goldsmith. Sure, so, sure. and that was, and it kind of culminated uh, in, in that. So that was, that was really nice to having sort of those more established roles. And, and, uh, and that, that night was, it was a whole lot of fun. Well, it would have been better if the Mariners would have won. Well, it was of course. a lot of fun. Yeah. And, yeah. and you do have to kind of separate yourself from that. Although it's almost impossible to separate yourself from, from the results when you're doing play by play or covering a team. But unfortunately, Sometimes you have to. Hey, we got about uh, 10 or so minutes before we let you go. I want to jump into, and by the way, I like Aaron. Aaron Goldsmith does a fine job. He's, uh, what, relatively new, six, five, six years. It's hard to keep track. It just flies so fast. But I uh, yeah, I like Aaron. He's I've known, talented. I've known Riz. All of them are. Oh, my All God. All of them are. Oh, they are. That's so, you know, Dave, and I've known Riz for 100 years, and, and Dave Niehaus, obviously, ever since uh, day one when I've stepped foot in Seattle in 1982. But anyway, uh, okay, the Mariners, a good season. Scott Service, almost manager of the year and, and deserving possibly to win that, but certainly uh, runner-up is okay. That leaves room for more. What's your outlook for, and I know it's impossible to tell what's going to happen. There could be a lockout. Right. There could be this and that, but what is your outlook? It, will the team uh, 
Are they going to get better? They're certainly not going to go downhill from here because I think uh, Jerry's no, got them where no. he wants them. I do. I think, um, you know, you you certainly, and I, I'm, I'm trying to answer your question without sounding a bit cliche but I think you, you have a talented, you know, nucleus in place and you started to see, you know, what some of these things um, and these, these pieces, you know, how they would come together and how they would fit. Um, and, you know, one thing I, I really like is, uh, you know, you, you have finally seen like a guy like JP Crawford take the reins just a little bit as a leader. And I think that, that this team's really sort of been lacking a leader because even though everybody looked up to, you know, Kyle over at third base, he, he wasn't, he wasn't the guy, the guy that was going to go, Hey, you know, listen up everybody. That just wasn't his personality. I mean, you, you, he was a leader because you liked the way he played the game and because of the way he did things, but you know, he wasn't a real vocal leader. So I think it's been a role that this team's been missing for, uh, for some time. Um, but I think, you know, you're going to have a problem maybe a little bit in the outfield because you're not exactly sure, you know, um, is Kyle Lewis going to be able to be your center fielder? Right. I'm not really sure because you kind of probably have to bubble wrap him a little bit. Um, yeah, exactly. And not sure <laughs> if he's going to be able to go out there and, you know, bang around as your, as your everyday um, center fielder. Yeah. Um, but if he's not, you know, is he over in left field? Um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm not... I'm not sure you have a pure center fielder there, but I mean, Mitch was fantastic. Um, I just think, you know, you saw a lot of things. I think there's some, some gaping holes there in the, the starting rotation that uh, they're going to have to address and fill. Um, and, uh, but man, the, the bullpen couldn't have been better. And I think that's one of Jerry's just biggest strengths is, um, you know, I think, and that's also where the analytics can really come in and, and how this team really is very forward leaning and they're going to, they're going to smash the numbers. They're not going to crunch the numbers. They're going to smash the numbers and they figure out how to, you can be successful and um, why you're going to be successful. And their analytics department has, has really kind of, you know, figured that out and, and they've made some, some really pretty, pretty average arms really extraordinary through that process. So, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a, qu a question, Angie, about the game itself. And I know what, what you're, well, before I do that, how many pieces will it take to make this team a, a not only a contender, but a, a playoff team that can go to the second level? When I say how many pieces, how many players? Three, four, yeah. five? Yeah, I, I, I three, four, five. That was it. I, yeah, all of that. Um, you know, it always depends on the pieces you bring in. Oh, you know, sure. what what do you end up doing at second base? I mean, I think that that they're gonna you know put uh, Abraham Toro over at third base and, and give him a go there. Um, and uh, I think you figured out you know uh, Ty France can can play first base for you every day. So, I, I mean, again, I, I really kind of. Have, the big question mark is second. That's the biggest thing uh, to me and, and what you can get. And if you have to, you know, back up, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the vault, and, you know, the money vault and, yep. and, and open it up for that position. I'm kind of okay with that. Um, and then decide if you really do need to go get a center fielder. And because you have so many other outfielders, if you can maybe move some of those pieces and, and again, you, you've got to go get, uh, you know, several a, a couple um starting pitchers because i don't think even though they've got these talented pitchers that are that are really ready first of all they're not going to be able to come in and take the bulk of a season like that there's just like no chance and then two they're not going to be you know 
successful out of the gates like that. That would just be crazy uh, for anybody to think that they're just going to come in and dominate. I mean, Felix didn't come in and dominate. Nobody does. You just don't. Um, and so they're going to take a couple of years. So, you, you know, you've got to have some people in that starting rotation that, um, that are, that are going to be a little bit more game ready. So, yeah, I think four or five is, is, but that's, but the, it, the time is right because all the pieces around those, those, um, those positions, Tony are ready to go. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's just a matter of, of, of who's out there and who's available. I, I was listening to uh, Jerry on the radio the other day talking about, uh, creating relationships as you try and recruit these guys and talk to not recruit, but you know, as you try to lull them in and get them in mm-hmm. and, and, and sign them, it's pretty much the same as recruiting in college without the, without the money jumping into the way. It's all about relationships. It's about their opportunity. Do they like the Northwest? Do they think the team's a winner. So there's a lot of ifs out there, but at least one thing is true. There's a lot of hope as well, especially because the other teams in town, at least to date when we're recording this, there's not Ooh. a lot of hope, but that's the way it is. It's up down and the Mariners are up right now uh, and it's one of the few times since I've been here that they are the only team that's up and that the others are down so uh, you know it's just the way it goes it's the way the cycle works last couple minutes with Angie Mentick I want to ask you about uh, women's roles in broadcasting when I first started in the 70s in radio you very seldom saw any women covering any team at any level in any media very few in the newspaper none on the radio Nobody in television. You could, they couldn't get in the locker rooms. It was ridiculous. A complete shutout. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you began to get women stars in sports that, that started to get noticed, like Chris Everett in, in tennis and uh, you know Billie Jean King and people like that. And then one or two into broadcasting. Next thing you know, there was the big controversy of women in the locker room back in the, in, I think it was in the... Uh, late 70s, yeah. Yeah, late 70s. And uh, now, frankly, I, I'm not that comfortable in a locker room uh, looking at men with a <laughs> no towel. No one is. No, I mean... And, <laughs> well, uh, I wonder if, if out of the pandemic, like, how, how does anybody ever go back in? It'll be interesting. Right. And frankly, I don't think it makes a difference. The, the whole idea was mm-hmm. when, when newspaper was, was king before radio and TV mm-hmm. did much, you kind of... The newspaper people had a relationship with the players almost more than they should have. They, they, they covered up for the players and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And they were buddies. They sat, they drank together, they did everything. Together. And then of course, but it's, you know, the idea that you get more out of a guy emotionally when he's just lost or won a game is BS. I don't think it yeah. works that way. So it's yeah, like, no, well, look at the Look at tennis where they bring them. It, it seems like every single day, like, you know, that, that you know, a tennis player, and I'm, I'm not talking about the the uh, getting into the mental issues. I'm talking about tennis players all over the place, men, women, everything. Um, you know, are so emotional, and they've been bringing tennis players for years. You know, to speak to the media at large. Um, so, you know, so the the emotion is is always. Um, there after you play sports. And the bottom line, even back in the late 70s, Tony, it was all about just, it's about equal access. So if, you know, it wasn't, I always say that, it wasn't about letting women into the locker rooms. Right. It was really about the men refusing to come out. That's, that's a good point. Um, that's a good point. So, you know, it, it's like, you know, the women didn't need to be in it. No one needs to be in there. They don't. 
So whoever, you know, whatever the access is, everybody gets the same access, you know, because otherwise, you know, I can't do my job, um, you know, as well as you can if, you know, you're allowed to talk to them and I can't. Absolutely. Um, no, so, absolutely. and I'm, I'm trying to talk to him as he's running to his car. Um, you know, it's just impossible. So, so yeah, I, I, I kind of always make that point. And so it'll be interesting, you know, so many things have changed for this pandemic. And I really do wonder if, if, you know, if, you know, what, what that will look like, or if we say, you know, uh, people aren't coming in before the game and we'll let them in after, yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah, or what, just yeah. kind of what they, what, what's going to happen. So, yeah. Well, that's a big question. Uh, we're going to let you go so you can get to one of your sons to, uh, to practice. <laughs> and, um, I will say this, I, I want to hear more of you on, uh, whether it's play by play or color or both. And I know obviously you'll do what you what you want to do and what they, what they have you do, but I am looking forward to another season of watching you and listening to you. And you have a great off season, Angie. Let's do this again. Sometime you've been a terrific guest and a great friend. Uh, I, I would say all of that right back to you, Tony. Um, you know, I don't do a whole lot of these, but, uh, when you ask, I say, you know, uh, of course I will happy to, um, whenever you need anything, I, I'm, I'm happy to, uh, go along willingly. And, um, I really appreciate your friendship throughout the years and helping me, uh, in the beginning when I, I first began. And, uh, you know, one thing I, I would like to think, and that's one thing that you are, and you always have been, and I'd like to think I am is authentic. And uh, it's really important to me. And that's one thing that um, that I think uh, really sticks out about you. No, I think you definitely are authentic. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to test the authenticity next uh, spring of whoever the Mariner center fielder is. As soon as I see him, I'm giving him a big hug. I don't care where we are. <laughs> you have a great, have a great holiday season, Angie. Great talking with you. Thank you. All right. Take care. 